For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening and welcome to today's Entrepreneur presented by F.L. Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar along with F.L.'s Josh Miller. Hello, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening on the program, uh, I always love talking about restaurants. We'll talk to Tofik Kamal of Azar Restaurant. Azar, Lebanese cuisine. Uh, certainly there's a few of them in town, a few Lebanese restaurants in town. This one's been around over three decades. Not wow. too many restaurants like that. So uh, Tufik is coming up on the way. We'll also get to uh, some entrepreneurial news. And later in the program, we'll talk about some HR, HR issues as well with uh, Michelin Mayette. Change management. Uh, you know, it's kind of a bit of a buzzword uh, today in, in human resource and as we see and as we listen to every, each week, Dan, there's always a ton of change that happens every day, every week, every year. Uh, and, and it's how, how that your talent, your people within, help them cope with all the changes that happen on a daily basis. So we'll start off by talking a bit about that, actually, because we, we were chatting uh, earlier. And what we thought we'd do is uh, you know talk about my experience as, as an entrepreneur. We're past the five-year mark uh, at Provocateur Communications. And I figured we'd use uh, just the first little segment to chat about how my progress is going as an entrepreneur. I'll ask you some basic questions as, as someone who's fairly new to the game. And uh, and you can maybe you know give myself and other new entrepreneurs some some advice um, as, I, as I make my way through this adventure. So so this is... Five, five years already, Dan. Yeah, Time it's does past fly. five. It's past five. It's crazy. Crazy, right? I remember the first couple of years we were doing the show, right. I was just collecting inspiration, really, from all of our entrepreneurs. And uh, yeah, it's uh, we're past the five-year mark, so it's, it's really exciting. And um, so that along those lines, uh, I would say that um, it's tough to retain staff sometimes as, as, as a startup, uh, especially when you know there are a lot of competing uh, for for staff against big corporations, people with unlimited funds. In some cases, we're, we're a young company, and sometimes our staff is uh, is spread thinly. So how do you how do you how do you manage your talent? And how do you retain your talent as a young startup uh, while sort of preparing uh, your business for growth at the same time? It seems um, it seems tricky sometimes. Big question. I mean, there there's so many there's so many areas and so many things you have to look at. Uh, you know, I, I think the first is the industry that you're in. You know, are you making widgets? Are you having the same person do the same thing every day? Or are you uh, an accountant that's just kind of adding up numbers? Uh, or are you in the creative field that you know, you have to, the people that you employ feel they need to be creative. If they're not creative, they're going to burst out of their shell. But that creative side also may have a little bit of instability or may have uh, always, you know, change and change management that, that, that comes with it. So I think it first depends on the sector you're in. You happen to be in a creative field. It's it's public relations. It's, 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 managing, it's managing crises, but you have to be creative sometimes in managing it. So... In that particular case, it's I think it's keeping them challenged on a creative basis. I think it's keeping them. Uh, I, I think the feelings will touch home more than a line worker doing the same job, the same widget, a thousand times a day. So I believe they probably they have to feel closer to what they're working on, who they're working with, and that's important. So you know, do you maintain that closeness with with your team over the years? Have you maintained the closeness with your team? I like to think so. Um, last weekend we had a bit of an outing uh, out in the country. We had a we took all all the dogs, all the provocateur dogs, and went on a you know went on a walk, a little stuff like that. You know, we'll have drink nights once in a while. Now, do you do that throughout the year to keep to stay close? Probably not enough. We, we should probably try to, to do do the socializing more often. Yeah. And, and I, I know there's a lot of socializing. Listen, we we do it at FL uh, all the time, certainly socializing. Um, I guess the added benefit, because you know we're, we're about 100 people now, you're not quite 100 people, 
is also for the owner, the entrepreneur to stay on top of it, to kind of sense, to see the body language, to hear the tone, to feel what's going on. Is it been a tougher week or not? If you're, you know, three, five, 10 people, however, uh, in small businesses, it's easy to keep the pulse on it. It's easy to keep tabs on, on your, on your talent, on your team. You can see the look in their eyes and their faces. You can hear it in their voices. You can, you, you feel it in the ambiance. So I think it's, it's up to the entrepreneur to keep their eyes and ears wide open and adjust on the fly. That's uh, I think it's a big aspect. You can try and do that everywhere, but at least if you're all kind of in the same room and the, and the same aspect, that's important. I think in addition to that, you know, the question is how much, how much is it to the bottom line? Do you keep taking on those customers? Do you keep pushing your team to the, you know, to, to the brink or do you realize and say, Hey, you know what? If I take on that extra customer, I'm, I'm already swamped. I've got, you know, work coming, you know, that that's going to keep me going for the next couple of months. Somebody else wants to come on. They want to tag, tag on something, uh, something new that's due in the next two, four weeks, whatever it might be. And you look, and then you have to decide, is it worth taking on that extra job, but possibly losing your talent because they're already stretched too thin, as you said before. And, you know, will they realize it might be too much? Am I going to burn out? So you have to sometimes also balance the dollars and the talent. Mm-hmm. Are you better, up, better off giving up some short-term dollars to keep long-term talent? although you can never know when, or is that short-term dollars really far more than just the short-term dollars? Is it a key or strategic client? Is it a reputation thing? There's so many things that have to be balanced, but if you can't ignore, you can't ignore your team. I'll leave you with, with, I guess, one last thought, and that is entrepreneurs can look at your talent, your team, as either an expense or an asset. Mm. Which one do you, how do you want to treat your team? You want to treat them as expense and all they're doing is costing you? Or you want to treat them as an asset that they're going to help grow your business. Oh, they're definitely an asset, and they are helping very much. So, uh, so that, then if you if you treat them that way, and they feel you treat them that way, and it's not just lip service, but it's actually real, tangible events and items and decisions that affect them, and they're included uh, because you know there's a lot of a lot of talent that like to feel included and explained and transparency and all all that jazz. Then uh, then you have a much better chance of keeping them. That yeah. being said, rare that people stay long term. Yeah, it is tough. And, and we'll uh, ask you more questions uh, as we uh, go forward in the coming weeks. And I'll eventually blog about it when we, uh, we create our new website and stuff like that. So thanks for the for the free advice, Josh. Free advice. <laughs> is anything ever really free, Dan? Uh, let's get to some entrepreneurial news of the week now. Uh, HMV Canada, uh, I mean, in trouble for a while now. They are going into receivership. It's, you know, it's one of these, uh, you, if you don't reinvent yourself enough and you don't get with the times, you're... You know, way of the dodo, way of the dinosaur. Uh, HMV has been around as long as I can remember it. and um, But I can't remember the last time I walked into HMV to actually purchase a CD or a video or what have you. Gone in to buy novelty items, gone in to buy t-shirts because they have some cool stuff. But actual video reproduction or, or music, it's so easy to click a button and get that online that you don't necessarily walk into a store. And I think they, they've... They've not found the way or the why, as we've said so many times on the show, you need to give the customer a reason why to walk into your store. After so many decades of being in business, they didn't adapt to find the next why to get that customer into their store. Here's an example of a of a great business of the moment, uh, Maine and Local. Uh, they 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 did some promotional items for us here at CJD for our 70th anniversary. I have the big Metro ticket pillow at home. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, really really cute, brilliant products. But uh, there's an example of just paying attention to what's what's hot in in the culture and making a business out of it. There's a lot of people that 
make money on fads. You know, a lot of people will say, you know what, better stick to the basic because if it's a fad, I'm in business one year and I'm out the next and that's it. Well, you know what? There's room for that too. And if you can catch on to the the right fat, I keep using the word fad, but whatever the whatever the the flavor of the moment is in any particular uh, town or environment or sector, then absolutely you can make a killing because it's hot and people always want to buy the the, the hot new item as long as it's not a fortune. You know, they they're happy to keep replacing their hot items, you know, they're 10, 20, 50, 100 bucks. As long as the items aren't like a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars and it changes in in six months, you wouldn't want to do that. Now, their some of their current product line is cones and traffic signs and all that. So it's not a fad in Montreal. That's going to be here for a really long time. For sure. Um, also, uh, the Bank of Canada. Uh, has some uh, hacking issues, which uh, is causing some concern in the financial sector? Well, I, I think that this is really a challenge for every entrepreneur. Forget the Bank of Canada. It just happens to be in the news because they're so, you know, they're, they're so big and they're so open. They have so many employees. You know, these phishing scams, people are sending emails and with, with malware attached to them. It's easy to get a personal email to a work business and click before you think about it. Entrepreneurs out there, business owners, team members, just... Think before you click. I mean, it's it's it, you, you can't put you can't put a condom on your mouse, but you know what? You better think twice before you start clicking any email that opens because it could absolutely in Bank of Canada. I mean, there's obviously sensitive information. I'm sure there's plenty of firewalls, but the reality is, all it takes is one really smart hacker to get in and screw it up. We see ransomware all the time. Uh, you know, I, I've heard uh, three stories in the last week about people's data being stolen, encrypted, and held for ransom to get it back. Now, those people didn't have the best backup, so you have to back those stuff up, that stuff up fairly often. But be careful what you click on. Check out the behind the scenes. Everything could look great in front of you, but behind the scenes, you better check it every now and then. You know, I was just telling my dad, whose business uh, had, a, had a bit of a hacking issue recently, if, if you get a weird attachment and you're not sure about it, call the person, ask him, pick up the phone and ask him, did you send this attachment? Are you sending me something? Sometimes uh, it's someone pretending to be a friend of yours. There's been a lot of requests for money. Mr. Boss says, hey, Mr. Employee, send a transfer to this when he's out mm -hmm. of town. Better check and call. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800. Coming up, we'll talk about food, uh, Lebanese food, with Tufi Kamal of Azar Restaurant. That is on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur. And this evening, we're chatting with Tufik Kamal of Azar Restaurant. Welcome to CJD, Tufik. Uh, gentlemen, good evening, Josh, Dan. Thank you for uh, for receiving me here tonight. I'm, uh, it's an honor to be here and to have this great opportunity. Thanks. Well, I, I, I love talking about food and Lebanese food in particular. Uh, tell us about Azar Restaurant, uh, which has been an NDG now for, for three decades. Three decades. It's it's hard to believe sometimes, you know. It's, um, it's, it's we came, when was it? It opened in 1984 uh, was the year that we opened. And we came fresh from Kuwait where my father was a businessman in and the retail industry selling uh, selling clothing and uh, we came here and he just decided to buy a business and we moved to NDG we took a restaurant and when we took it in 1984 it was um, it was a burger joint fast food joint and he took where was it, it where was the original location 
the original location, I forgot the address. I'm drawing a blank, yeah. but it was on Monklin. If people know NDG area, there's a place called Lucille's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in the original Lucille's location. It was in the original Lucille's location. And back in the days, it was half the size because we used to have a, a small store right next to us. And it was a used bookstore called mm-hmm. Déjà Lu. So we took that spot. We kept it as it is. And, you know, I mean, business was okay, but nothing great. So my father had the idea to converted into a Lebanese place. I mean, back in those days, we didn't have the diversity of, of today, right? Everything, anything he opened was just magical. Uh, so he's, he, while we stayed open, he started doing renovations uh, in between shifts at night, uh, one side closed, and then we opened half the restaurant and so on and so forth. He was doing his own renovations? Uh, well, with a friend or? With, with a friend. We hired somebody and he was sort of participating in the... Um, in in the renos but definitely we hired someone to to help out and uh it took maybe i think a month or so we didn't do major renovations just give it a bit of a oomph take do, away do you know the, why a restaurant i mean it was in retail back then why, why a restaurant in montreal um i think it was just the easiest thing he can find uh that would allow him to 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 deal with the public without necessarily knowing the any of the official languages because mm-hmm. When we got there, my father had no knowledge of French and no knowledge of English. And even while he was operating the the restaurant, I mean, I'm amazed by how he learned his English was by after the lunch rush that you call, he would sit down and talk to customers and ask them, okay, what's this word mean? And what does that word mean? And how do you say that word? And over the years, he learned English and now he's um, he's able to communicate with anybody and talk about anything and be able to to understand so now how long did that were you at that location or was Azar at that location for many years started in 1984 we left in 1989 business grew tremendously once we turned it into a Lebanese food uh, Lebanese restaurant it just exponentially grew uh, to the point where we couldn't we had to refuse many people both at the lunch service and at the dinner service we just couldn't fit them in, in the place anymore and so we moved maybe 100 feet next to it there was a place a little bit of a bigger place with a nice terrace a double deck terrace and nice spot inside and we opened there and if you know ndg there's monklin and then there's harvard and the first day that we opened we had a lineup going around the corner street uh, there were so many people that wanted to go there. I had to close my kitchen at seven o'clock. I remember that day, seven o'clock, we had to close. We had no more food left. Hmm. Um, That's not always a bad problem to have, but not a good one if you're if you're trying to keep on, the business going. Uh, it, on that night, exactly. You're pretty much, uh, yeah, we needed to stay open longer, but hey, uh, we're glad it worked out that way anyways. Now, location is, is hugely important. Yeah. Uh, how did your dad find that first location? It was just a business for sale or... Or he kind of did he scope around town because there's been a number of locations uh, over time. He did. My we opened many many restaurants over the years. I think we opened a total of sixteen to seventeen restaurants uh, throughout the years that we were that we've been open. Um, to be honest, I, I think it just happened to find it by fluke. He my father's my father likes to drive around in every part of the city, even if he gets lost at one point. You know, back in the days, I mean, now he doesn't get lost because mm-hmm. he knows the city, but. Back in then, we're still new, so we're driving around. He saw a for rent sign, you know, and so he walked in. He knocked on the door. He negotiated his lease, and there he is. He he opened his first uh, he opened his first restaurant, and uh, it it turned out to be an amazing experience because NDG was 
so it still is today so amazing and um you people all over the the, the area you know, still recognize it from 20 years ago. No question. And so it's interesting because you go from one restaurant to ultimately 16, 17 and, and back down to one today. So that transition and that kind of growth and, and, and back down to one is going to be interesting. When we come back from the break, we'll explore that further. We're chatting with Tufi Kamal of Azar Restaurant in business for uh, 30 years on Sherbrooke and, uh, and Royal and NDG. More with Tufik in just a moment. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. We're chatting with Tufi Kamal of Azar Restaurant on the Sherbrooke and NDG for uh, over 30 years. Um, do you remember growing up in, in the restaurant and when did you realize that uh, you wanted to make this a career for yourself as well? Only recently. Um, I started very young uh, because as a young, as a young kid, I was excited to go to work with my father. And I remember I was 13 years old and I would wake up super early with my dad. And that was sort of how I earned a bit of, a, you know, pocket money just to save up and learn how to earn your, your way around. Um, I mean, I didn't really work hard, but I still came around and stuff like that. And I remember that when I was 13, I served my first cup of coffee, holding it in two hands, shaking it and just praying I'm not going to drop that cup of coffee and I had the entire restaurant, all the clients were looking at me and then clapping as I uh, put the coffee down, you know? And as a 13 year old kid, you're like proud of yourself, even though that's, you look at it today and it's not much. But uh, over the years, I sort of battled the whole restaurant industry. I did not want to be in it. I had a gift for it. I was good with clients. I was good. I knew my staff. I was very knowledgeable. I was able to run a business and so on. It's just I did not want to be in that industry. So I did other stuff. You know, I was um, in, in, in sales and finance and so on. And it's only when I came back from a recent one-year experience in Abu Dhabi as a consultant um, in the F&B industry that I realized there's a lot more to this industry that I still need to learn and that I can probably um, give. And that's when I just sort of started to get into it a little bit more and, and using it to as part of my my career. Working in Abu Dhabi in the, the food and beverage F&B uh, industry, uh, you must have, there must have been some interesting lessons or takeaway uh, from that. You were, where were you working uh, there? Um, I was actually an F&B consultant for uh, a sheik over there. I was in charge of um, his kitchens. He had five kitchens to run and organize and, you know, get operating mm-hmm. the, the proper way. And I went there and that's exactly what I did. Uh, what was supposed to be a one month contract turned out to be almost a year. Uh, they just renewed it and it was a fantastic uh, experience. And I would think the biggest experience that I'm using today in my daily um, operation, running of the operation is how to deal with um, different Different backgrounds, different uh, different characters, uh, characters, different uh, knowledge, uh, experience, everything, and everybody everybody has a way of doing things, and so you got to learn how to read that out and, and and respond the proper way to get them motivated. Like the, the last thing you want in this industry is to demotivate somebody because it's very easy to get uh, demotivated. So you got to work on 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 those uh, qualities and just push them and, and, and keep them um, interested and, and, and engaged. And I guess it's not just with your, your team employees, it's also with suppliers, it's with 
customers, I mean, okay, you had maybe a single customer uh, at that point, but probably a pretty demanding one. Pretty demanding one, indeed. Um, pretty demanding customer, and I think I learned a lot. I mean, you know, they come from a different lifestyle. They come with a lot of money, so dealing with them is a little bit <laughs> different. So you got to know how to, um, you know, you got to know how to put your foot down, but the right way, making it sound like it's their decision as opposed to you're the one who's imposing it on them. So I had to learn how to do that. And today, I take that into Azar and when I deal with, let's say, my customers and how, and, and, and I create loyalty and I entertain them as they as they come and, and spend whatever it is, an hour or two in our venue, I got to remember that these people worked all week. Uh, they put in a lot of hours. Some of them maybe have kids. Um, they're stressed and there's everything. So that hour or two that they're sitting in our restaurant, they don't want to have problems. They just need to be able to enjoy the, uh, a good time and have good food. And so whatever I've learned, I integrate in my day-to-day uh, operation. No questions. Lots of lessons you can learn in Abu Dhabi. And I'm sure lots of lessons as you, you know, as your dad is still is still around and very hands-on. Uh, I'm sure some some lessons in there as, as you look to maybe transition uh, in the future. When we come back from the break, uh, a little bit more about the dynamics of family roles and, and what you're learning. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL's Josh Miller, and we're joined by Tufik Kamal of Azar Restaurant. We'll talk about HR a little later in the program and have Tufik's one piece of advice for Today's Entrepreneur. Uh, but first, chatting a bit more about uh, your background, Tufik, and um, you know, working for, for a, a sheik in Abu Dhabi, coming back to Montreal to now help out with the family business. Uh, what did that experience teach you? And uh, are you, uh, are you uh, maybe not so intimidated by clients anymore after that? Uh, definitely not. I mean, I was never really intimidated, but that, that sort of got pushed to the next level, um, whereby back in the days, if I had to answer a question, I would be very quick on the trigger, if I can use that expression. And I would, I would respond without necessarily thinking it over completely. And sometimes my answers would come out completely wrong or just not, not the way it should have come out. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and today I learned to be a lot more composed a lot, um, a lot calmer, and and I will take the time to to ponder on the question that was asked and really think about it, even though it's only five seconds or ten seconds, whatever it is, and then I'll come up with an answer and 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 you know the answer that should be the right one at that point in time. So, speaking of of learning, I mean, this is your your dad that started this business. You you know you were there since thirteen, but really a lot more closer uh, in the last little while. Uh, what is that transition like? How is it working with your dad or your parents? And, you know, what have you learned and kind of what are you thinking differently from him going forward? Um, you know, my dad, my dad is pretty amazing. Um, he came to this country and he had a, a wife and two kids to, to feed. So really he, he, he had to, he had to, he didn't have much time to do anything, right? It's not like he can go to school for 10 years and mm -hmm. do something. So he had to do, the business to make it happen he had to you know feed us basically and and, and make us live so and and part of so work ethic was huge work ethic was unbelievable i mean i, I think today this is why I, I you know i have this uh, workaholic attitude whereby i i can't stand still and that's that got 
given to me by my father. I just watched him go. And no matter what, no matter how tough things got, up and down, you know, it doesn't matter. He would get up the same time every morning. He would go do his job. And it's just a consistency that was unbelievable on his, on his part. And then he was always hand in hand with my mother. You know, my mother, her name is Samira. Uh, they always worked um, like together. They, they never left each other's side. So mm -hmm. if, if, if my dad was having a, a... To this day? To this day. My, my, my mother is still there. Um, and even, I mean, the, us, the kids, when we got old enough to really be there a little, a, a more often, we really started to participate. I mean, between school and eventual jobs and other fields and, and whatever we had time to come in and help with the business, we were always involved. Um, so he, if, if something else also that he thought us was the unity is, you know, you, when you work together, it doesn't matter what happens, you will always be able to come on top of things, uh, you know, when you support yourself uh, as a family. Now, but running the restaurant, it, the work ethic, I agree 100%, uh, or I understand it. Running the restaurant, living in today's times, you know, certainly with, with outside forces that are different today than they were 10, 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Do you have different thoughts uh, and, and do you challenge each other on where, where the business of the restaurant should be going? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely, uh, you know, I, I'd i be lying if I said that there wasn't a set of challenges uh, every now and there. But I think that these set of challenges actually push it, push ourselves to, or each other to, to come out with a solution. And more time than not, that solution happens when we're communicating. So he's more, he's more the old school way of running a business, you know, we're very, very much into the printing uh, side of marketing or advertising or bringing the name out there i'm more into the digital media era uh, you know whereby you you, uh, you want a web page you want to do uh, social media integration which is today more important than anything else everybody's on social media um so i'm trying to sort of ch slowly take it there uh, you know and and we don't always necessarily agree on the way that it should be done or on the speed or what's more important than something else but at the end of the day, we sit down together, and no matter no matter how much in disagreement we can be on certain things, we sit down and we communicate. And at the end of this communication, we understand each other's side, and we find that solution to to move forward. So it's 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 beautiful the way it works. Now, marketing is absolutely huge for any restaurant because people have to know where you are, who you are, what you're serving. You know, the, the certainly the popularity, your reputation is huge. The marketing that you, you know, apparently if you were, if you were sold out uh, after, after till seven o'clock and you didn't have anything, marketing in the eighties wasn't so bad, but, but getting people to know where you are today and who you are with the, the amount of competition out there is, is huge. So is there anything that either has or has not worked from you, for you from a marketing aspect in the last 10, 20 years? Any uh, flops that you would either never go back to or something that you say, I, I better keep doing that? Uh, you know what? Flyers used to be good. You know, the, the mailing list where you send flyers to homes. In your neighborhood. In your neighborhood, you know. Uh, maybe they worked for a certain period of time. But if if most people are like me, when I get that public sack, more often than I... Toss it. I toss it away. And so if a flyer happens to come in there, it's never going to be seen. So it's just money spent for nothing. I think you need to be able to understand how to reach your target, your niche clientele, your target clientele, whether it's Facebook, whether it's the radio, whether it's, um, 
you know, a, a mailing list, whatever it is, you need to be able to target these people and, and know who your clientele is. Because once you know who your clientele is, then you're able to target and, and do a, um, a designated uh, advertising for them. Is the, the selection of location for you, that must have been also part of a marketing aspect, you know, the neighborhood, foot traffic. Uh, how was the selection? You're, you're now Sherbrooke and Royal, as, as Dan pointed out earlier. How long have you been in this location? 11 years. 11 years. Uh, same size resident. Like, like what has changed? Uh, how do you, how do you keep getting people walking in the door? Um, the quality of the product is, is, um, unbelievable. And people got to really fall in love with my parents. I mean, a lot of people would come into the restaurant and the first thing they do when they walk in is look in the kitchen to see if my parents are there. Personal touch. Personal touch. You know, um, they would they would come into the kitchen and say thank you to my parents. Uh, you know, after the meal is done, the meal was amazing. Thank you so much. It was this family, this family vibe that people loved about it, so they kept kept coming back. You know, and but the food also has to be pretty good for the, people the to food, keep going back. The food was amazing. The food is. I mean, has, has the menu changed a lot in the third? I mean, okay, it went from burgers to Lebanese. I get I get that change, but. The, from from beyond then, has the menu changed, gotten bigger, smaller over the years? Uh, it got big, uh, smaller at one point, just because when we got to this location, we sort of tried to size it down. But now, recently, we took on the other uh, shop next to us, so we opened the wall in between us because we had a demand for uh, you know party uh, parties. They wanted space to accommodate 30, 40, 50 mm-hmm. people for parties. So we took the next door store when it got available, and. Um, uh, you know, because of that, we're now looking at expanding the menu as well, putting in some items that are really fun to have as a group. Maybe not as an individual because there's just too much of it. But as a group, when you're doing the meze, which is the Lebanese version of a tapas, it's really, really fun. You know, and then you have the grillade that comes on the table and everybody's feasting and sharing food and the smell of the food. And the, and, and, and it's just unbelievable, you know. So we're, we're actually expanding the menu right now, adding more things and... We're even restarting our breakfasts on the weekends, hmm. uh, Saturday and Sunday brunch, which I'm working on also getting a DJ for the summer. But that's for the <laughs> line. You know? <laughs> to be to be continued on that front. To be continued. You're exactly. also you're also bring your own wine. You're, we you're are bringing your own wine. We are. Was it, were you always like that? Was that a decision, um, or is it just this location? No, it's 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 just this location that we got. Uh, bring your own wine. We we even when we first got this location, we had our alcohol. Um, I'm more of the, I like to have my own alcohol kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you, you don't really need to fix what's not broken. So the BYOB works very well and people love the idea of, how well, certainly alcohol. it's more, it's more on the affordable side, you know, let them come sure. and spend their money on, sure. on the food that, that, you know, that tastes great, whatever. So you 100%. can put that much love into it as I see your mom baking in the back absolutely, uh, and, and, and let people bring their own. That's pretty much it. So what's next? What What's next on Azar? You know, it's a great restaurant. It's been there 30 years. Uh, you know, you talked about catering. Uh, is there is there a health side that, that, that people are kind of uh, going to want to come to that you feel you have to adapt? There's, uh, like I said, I mean, yeah, branching branching out into the catering side, obviously, is, uh, is very, very big for us that we're looking at. Um, also, uh, doing meal prep is something that I'm looking at um, for the health enthusiast, you know, uh, or the meatheads such as myself. Uh, 
Um, and that's just getting off the ground. You're just really looking at that just, now. Just getting off the ground. I'm looking into it. Uh, nothing is official yet, but it's 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 really getting into it. Yeah. Thirty years. Congratulate. Thirty years plus. Thirty years plus. Uh, Thirty three. Hopefully yeah. another thirty years to and come. Hopefully another thirty three to come with whoever's in the kitchen. Well, well, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll decide that in due times. You know. <laughs> exactly. We'll have a two weeks one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. And next, Josh, we'll talk about some HR issues. Yeah, change management. You know, lots of lots of changes happen in entrepreneurial business and any businesses. How do you help? How do you help your team in dealing with it? All right, we'll be joined by Michelin Mayette, HR consultant at FL. That is next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and F.L.'s Josh Miller with you. We're joined by Tufik Kamal of Azar Restaurant. His one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur is on the way. Uh, but first, chatting with, uh, chatting with Michelin Mayette, HR consultant at F.L. Welcome back, Michelin. Thank you, Dan. And so, Josh, some HR issues, especially uh, dealing with change. Change management, uh, certainly a, a buzzword, hot topic, but not everybody will know it or understand it. Certainly HR professionals will know it well. <laughs> uh, some of the people that are really dealing with talent every day know it, but might not know that it's an actual concept that's really taken to the next level. So Michelin, uh, maybe you can kind of educate us a little bit on those those two big, two small words that make a really big concept, change management. Sure. So change management, if you go more traditionally, often there was a big change coming to a company. So the most common one, I would say, mergers, acquisitions, new computer system changes tend to be big changes. Death of a leader. Death of a leader. Yeah, that could be one trans business transition. So I mean, you can think of big changes that happen in an organization, but that are generally some somewhat predictable. So you know, they're coming. Um, so you can plan for it. So a lot of change management theory has been on planning for these changes that are coming. How do you communicate it properly? How do you make sure you've had all your bases covered as far as people's roles are concerned? Um, so it's kind of planning, executing the plan, and then doing a postmortem after to see what could we have done differently, uh, providing support. In today's reality, that theory is almost out the window. So I mean, there's still big changes that you can plan for, but the reality is that a lot of businesses today are just in constant change. It's constant flux and, you, and you're and you not in control of all the factors around you either. Exactly. So you really have to adapt to things as they come. So it really changes the way that you look at managing change because you can't really plan for it like you would like to. So then what do entrepreneurs do? What are, what are the leaders in these businesses? What can they do? Yeah. There's certain HR practices that you can really adapt to that type of context. So obviously, adaptability, flexibility, um, if we look at communication specifically, in the past, change was coming, you'd write a long memo, maybe a long email, you know, to explain the change and all the impacts. But today, it really has to be fast. So you could think of it like a ship, you know, you, you know what destination you want to get to. But instead of it being on a, on a straight line, uh, you know, you don't know if there's going to be some stopovers or some heavy waves that you have to get through. So really, the key is developing trust. I'd say trust is key because you really need people to say, OK, the boat's getting a bit shaky. There's some water getting in, but we all know where we're going. And, and you know, I'm, I'm aware of what the destination is and how we want to get there. 
You know, earlier in the in the show, Josh, we we're talking about my my HR issues and the fact that we do have some turnaround and we're we're having new people on the team. And so I I actually sent that memo today, mm-hmm. and I was wondering how do you craft a memo to uh, to um, to not make make people feel sad that they're losing a colleague and at the same time remaining optimistic about the future of the business. I think it's also it's it's ba- it's also managing fear, right? Like yeah. what's going to happen to me. Yeah, that's why I say a lot of it's about transparency, right? And sometimes in a change, you might not have all the answers right away. So it's not about often we want to wait till we have all the answers before we communicate, but then we wait and we leave people in this this feeling of uncertainty about what's coming next. So you're better off communicating more frequently, but faster. So you could think about blogs, short emails, flash meetings. Uh, So people just want to have a feeling of security that there's some kind of plan that's being executed and how they fit into this plan. So don't always be a perfectionist and write, you know, globs of email or, or, or lengthy, lengthy words just to, you know, really cover the whole thing sometimes. And maybe it's a face-to-face thing. Maybe it's mm-hmm. not by email. That yeah. might be the most efficient. But you're right. I mean, you can even just look at, you know, media today. A lot of people complain when they read articles online that there is typos in it and stuff like that. But the reality is that people prefer getting their information quickly with maybe a few typos than having to wait, you know, 24 hours for for that article to get out. So it's the same thing in internal communications so change management is great be on it be active communicate don't worry about it being absolutely perfect more on change in a second plus we'll have two fakes one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur next for professional advice with a personal touch consult fl fuller landau chartered professional accountants and business advisors click on flmontreal.com Tufik Kamal from Azar Restaurant has his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. Uh, but first, chatting with Michin Mayet, uh, Josh, about to some HR issues and preparing employees for change. And entrepreneurs, you know, they, they have to always change every day. There's no question. There's there's bullets that fly at them, you know, whether it's you open up a, a, a fine Lebanese restaurant and in this block that has nothing, and then there's competition that pops up everywhere. So you, you really got to you gotta move, and you, you, you heard Tufik earlier, yes, we have to move the times, and we have to kind of bring in maybe another menu or sort of catering or open up another location. But it's also a question of, you know, the entrepreneur has to be comfortable in communicating that, not just once a year, once every couple of years, but constantly. So Michelle, maybe you can talk about frequency of communication or how how entrepreneurs can maybe learn to adapt or to, to talk and communicate a little more often. If we look at some HR practices that um, you know need to be updated in this kind of context, you could talk one about performance management. Traditionally, companies that do performance management have an annual evaluation meeting, maybe two, um, where they might set objectives for the next year. So really right now the trend is more towards touch points. So you're going to set objectives with the employee, but you're going to probably sit down with them maybe once a month or once every two months to see what the status is of the objectives, to sit down with them for their development. Because um, the reality is when you pull that evaluation out of your folder next year, it's probably out of date. The objectives are maybe not even valid anymore. So it's really much more about ongoing communication. So same thing with employee engagement. You can do an annual um, employee satisfaction survey. By the time you get all the results, you decide what you want to do. Maybe six months and nine months have gone by and the issues you've identified are probably not even an issue anymore. The issues have changed. So there's softwares now like Office Vibe where you can actually go and get a pulse of your employee engagement on an ongoing basis. There's also a question of of team cohesiveness, I presume, that would also help 
change management help if something happens or there's there's a fork in the road of the company and you go left instead of right you know it's one thing if if it's one person doing that when you need the whole team to go in that fork and that, that whole team has to change i imagine that team cohesiveness that team building also should be present at, at any and every moment yeah, definitely. So it's not just about what you communicate to one individual, but also what you communicate to the whole team so that everybody's on, on the same page with regards to what's going on. So would you have, would you suggest maybe certain team building experiences, or we were talking with Dan earlier in the program about his talent and how, you know, they, they at least stay close during the year and, and at least they, they kind of know what they're thinking. So something, if there's a curveball that comes, you're kind of all not, maybe not one perfect mindset, mm-hmm. but at least you understand each other better so that you can move, move forward together. If we look at an entrepreneurial environment, so, you know, typically small, medium sized businesses, the teams are not so large. So the ideal is just to talk to your people every day and let them know what's happening. You know, if there's something has to be done more formal and you want everybody to know, then you can send up a follow up email so that, you know, if a few people missed it, uh, they're still in the loop. But yeah, it's all about just talking to each other every day about what you're doing. That's the best way to circulate information. It sounds like it's the old adage. Communication, communication, and communication, like location, location, location for, for Tuki, Tufik and, and Azar. Uh, thank you very much, Michelin. Uh, there's no question. It's, uh, it, it, it's really important that entrepreneurs understand their team and how they can absolutely make the, get the best out of them for changes that happen every day in the business world. Thank you. And as we do uh, before uh, the end of the program each week, we'll turn to uh, Tufik Kamal of Azar Fine Lebanese Restaurant. And ask you, Tuvik, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? Um, I wasn't too sure exactly where I was going to go with this. If, uh, and then it sort of just dawned on me, if I can use an expression that goes, uh, the ripest fruit is at the end of the branch. Um, what I mean by that is you you really need to to understand that success, um, uh, success comes from uh, persistence. You're, you're going to fall. Every now and then, you're going to come to challenges that you may not be able to um, overcome right away. But if you just keep pushing and believe in what you have to offer in your product and you have the right uh, surrounding team with you, you're going to be able to to succeed. I mean, the best success stories all have failures at some point or another. So just keep doing what you got to do. Just keep pushing and, you know, believe in it and then you'll you'll succeed. Thank you very much, Tufik. Uh, Dan, my, my little quick takeaway is... You have, you know, there are entrepreneurs out there that are stubborn and think, you know, their way is the only way and that's it. But then you have entrepreneurs like Tufik and many others that that we've had on the program that learn from their experiences, that learn from the people around them and that aren't pig-headed. And I think those, that that learning, that open-mindedness to move to that next direction with somebody else's idea uh, or an experience you got and gained from somewhere else is huge to help the entrepreneurial and his success. Thank you very much to Tufik Kamal of Azar Restaurant and Micheline Mayet, HR Specialist at FL. Thank you both for joining us tonight. Thanks. Thank you for uh, receiving me. It's been a pleasure to me to have met you guys. And Micheline, it's a pleasure to meet you as well. Thank you. Next week on the program, Josh, uh, apparently we love Tyler Madison. I love Tyler Madison. Uh, women's fashion, uh, vegan product, uh, social responsibility, all key themes. Today's Entrepreneur, next Monday at 7 here on CJD. Have a good night.